This is a special edition iFanboy podcast on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Podcast on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And Ron Richards. The Force is with me. And we're all on our travel microphones because it's the holiday time. Yes. <laughs> and to be honest, we scrambled, to, we ran to Skype to do this as quickly as possible because we couldn't wait to talk to each other about it. <laughs> That's true. I literally saw, <laughs> I was seeing this movie 24 hours ago, literally. Yeah. Like a heavy meal, you've got to get it out quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no. Well, so, I mean, like, like I, I believe at less than an hour after Josh saw it, he was texting me going, oh, can we just record now? <laughs> so. so this is the first in the Star Wars anthology films. That are, These are the films to the side of the main story. I think they're calling those the chapter films. And these can take place at any time, featuring any characters. This first story was proposed by a special effects artist at ILM, the story Ooh. idea. And Kathleen Kennedy liked it so much, the president of Lucasfilm, that she put it into development right away. So uh, this story of Rogue One is that it is the band of misfits who have to steal the plans for the Death Star that will eventually be used by Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo to blow it up in the first Star Wars film. Thank God you explained that for, well, nobody who's listening to this <laughs> at all. Well, you never know. Let me Wait, before we get going, let me ask you guys both a question. Yeah. Can you comment on the e- efficacy of your media blackout? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Was it, yeah, you, I mean, was it full I mean the, only, the only thing – so I saw it with a, with a bunch of friends, and afterwards someone said, how much about it did you – like, you, I know you had a media blackout. How much did you know? And they said, did you know about Darth Vader? I said, unfortunately, that was the only thing that got through. Yeah. That everything, everything else was solid. And one of my friends in my group was like, oh, I had no idea he was in it. And I was <laughs> like, oh, damn you. He had a better media blackout than me. I saw yeah. the, the original teaser, Ron, and you saw that too, I believe. Yep. Yep. So what I did after seeing this was I went back to iTunes, the trailer app, and I watched all the. I was like, Jesus Christ! For how much they put into the other t- trailers? Yeah. I saw the original teaser, the short teaser. Seeing the original teaser is like seeing a different movie because half that wasn't even in this movie. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, Whoa! None <laughs> of this is in the movie. Yeah. Like a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this movie went through heavy re- rewrites and reshoots, so we we see yep. between the teaser and now. Yep. But Darth Vader got through not from anything in the media, from having dinner with somebody who worked tangentially on the movie. Wow. I got budget issues with Vader's helmet. Oh! <laughs> oh, God. Well, what got me was that it was just a random headline on some social network that was about James Earl Jones. And I was like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. But, so should, uh, we, should, so, should we spoiler yeah. warning this, Connor, quickly? Sure. Spoiler warning. Darth Vader's in it. Darth Vader's in the movie. <laughs> I mean, also, before we get to it, and this this will lead into one of my points on the film. So I went to see it Friday night in Los Angeles around 7 o'clock, sort of a not-too-early-not-too-late showing. Tons of little girls in the theater. Tons. In fact, the, behind really? me was three girls under the age of 10. All wearing Star Wars t-shirts, all super excited. Let me ask you this. Did you lean in? Did you lean in and say, everyone dies? No, because I didn't know. I hadn't seen a movie yet. I, I, I know that. 
I was all excited because I thought this is so great. This is what the Force Awakens has wrought. Is there? There's this, and it's not to say that little girls were never Star Wars fans. They certainly were, but I don't think I've ever seen it to this level. Well, that's uh, interesting because I have a theory. Well, we're going to circle back to that. Let's bookend that because I have coming out of this movie. I was wrestling with who this movie was for and movies are for, and so like let's. Well, let's, so then let's that, that leads back. to to about twenty minutes into the no, probably a little longer than twenty minutes. But at some point early in the film, I heard the father lean, some, lean over to one of them and say, "Are you okay?" Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. This yeah. was PG thirteen, and I was told originally a year ago when I was on the way into Force Awakens with the same person who worked on the film tangentially said Rogue One's going to be a basically a pure war film. And this is basically what it was. It was pretty dark for little 10-year-old girls or boys in the theater. Yeah. Well, so, so okay, so, so I'll, I'll, instead of waiting until the end, I'll go yeah. back to my thought on this, is that coming out of Rogue One, what I was wrestling with was who this movie was for and what this whole was, and then... and. Through processing it, what I realized was The Force Awakens was for those girls you saw, Connor, or for my niece, is for the next generation. This movie, and I think all these other Star Wars stories movies, at least for the next five to ten years, they're for the nerds like us. <laughs> well, like let's, this, not, this, this let's movie, not put me in that group quite <laughs> so soon. That's, this movie was 100% for pedantic detail-laden, canon, all that sort of stuff, people like us. And that, and, and if that's what the plan is for all this, then I'm okay with that. Like, that's fine, you know? But, like, I just, I, that made me very quickly realize that, oh, okay, this one was the one for us, and The Force Awakens, that really wasn't for us. So that's interesting, because I like The Force Awakens way more than this. Interesting. I like this more than The Force Awakens. And I'm, I'm wrestling with my thoughts on this, because it is so new. I, I thought this was... Oh, yeah. I thought this was extremely entertaining. Well... I think this is this is a terrifically fun film. I don't think it's a particularly great film. Yeah, agreed. The tone really unsettled me, and I have to. I'm wrestling with that. Well, for for me, I okay. So let's get the rank. Let's do, let's do a little kind of you know like the ranking and stuff like that. All the people online saying that this is uh, my favorite Star Wars movie, better than Empire. Like, all right, calm down, there, buddy. They, they say that every time a new Marvel movie yeah, comes exactly. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the new shiny th- thing. I enjoyed this better than The Force Awakens, but by inches. And of course, they're all better than the prequels, but this doesn't usurp the original trilogy by any means in my book. So, like, that's kind of where I'm netted out with it. But I thoroughly, I, like, coming out of this, I didn't know how I felt. Like, I was wrestling with a lot of stuff coming from this movie. I keep, I keep people keep asking me, what do you think of it? I go, there's a lot to unpack. Our friend Hank texted me this yeah. morning, and I was like, I don't know. It was fun and darker than I thought it would be, but I don't, other than that, I don't know what to tell you. I think generally I like it, but there's a couple of things that I'm really unsettled by. Josh? I'm going to need some time. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. But, well, in the words of the great Pete Campbell, it's not great, Bob. <laughs> really? Interesting. So my wife has been to me, been to the Star Wars movies. Uh, <laughs> she went to the prequels 2 and 3, Force Awakens and this. Uh-huh. All of them were terrible except for The Force Awakens when we walked out and she said, when is the next one? And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And about halfway through this movie, I looked over and I thought, she is bored. And I went, I'm bored. Interesting. Third act was great. Like that oh, whole yeah. war the, thing. The, I mean, yeah, the, the first and the second acts were the first act was borderline bad. Second act was weak. Third act was home run. Alright, but the point being is that it wasn't fun. 
And it's interesting because everyone I saw it with thought it was really fun, but thought it was a poorly made film. Like that poorly yeah, made, but yeah. in comparison to the other films. Well, well and I think, and what I mean, but when I, I say that's, fun is that's because coming out of the third act being as strong as it was, I think that that kind of overwhelms the the, the reality of the, fir- the no, first. No, I don't see that. That's you telling me I didn't like the first two acts. I did. No, I'm not I liked that, the yeah. Dirty Dozen aspect of the beginning of the film. Sure, yeah, the gathering yeah. these guys together. I like meeting all the characters. So. What what I'm getting at though is what I saw is that it like the characters. If it wasn't for Donnie Yen and it wasn't for the the droid, like none of those characters are fun to be. Or the, it was missing. Yes, yes, a lightness, a a fun Joy thing that I expect out of, of Star Wars, and that's actually something that for a little while I was like, oh, so J.J. Abrams was just was just uh, doing the other version of the movie, and then I got through this one and I thought. Oh, I think I liked it better that he did that because this, it felt like Star Wars in every aspect other than the actual tone. That's been my biggest struggle, and it was really lacking. And at I'd the end of the day, I'd be more upset if this was a chapter film and it was this dark. Yeah, I yeah. guess. But if you're asking me, like, did I like it because of that? Like, I don't know. Like, it looked cool, and it was, it was a pedantic nerd fill in the blank stuff. And at the end of the day, I don't know where that got me that I wasn't already. This got incredibly close to prequel territory for me. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, it was really well done. Spending so much time showing you yeah, things that, that had been referenced before. and It I, didn't make me roll my eyes like like that. It wasn't like badly done like that. But at the end, I, I didn't know what I got out of it. I didn't like the characters. I didn't care yeah. about I mean, I think they, I think they worked really hard to take Diego Luna's character. And the pro- I think a big problem with this, uh, Josh, is that coming out of this, I don't know who anybody's names are. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, I don't remember anybody. Uh, I mean, Cassie, Carrion, Cassian, that Cassian, was his name? Cassian, so, Cassian. Yeah, Cassie, whatever. Yeah. But I think what they did was they really, they wanted to make, they wanted to drive the point home that not, the rebellion isn't all swashbuckling heroes. It's people who are gray and will do bad things in order for the greater good. And that was the, and that really was set apart the tone for the movie, whereas the episode films are pulpy and swashbuckling and all that sort of stuff this is the gritty this is the stuff you don't want to admit that's actually happening and i'm gonna kill a guy and you know and yeah but this to me sounds like everything that you thought you wanted until you got it and then you don't want it like i like that out of all the things like i like intelligent you know morally ambiguous characters and things like that but star wars is like these are good guys these are bad guys yeah and i don't need to explore that here is what i felt like like it didn't do anything for me. Like, and maybe this is maybe this is like when you said people like us. I, I'm I'm I think we're a, at least I feel like I'm a bit post that because we've seen so many of those postmodern recreations, and you go back and we've seen all the superheroes go through all the dark shades and everything. And it's just like, and at the end of it, I came out of it and I was like, I'm over that. And this felt like that. Yeah. Um, well, which is not what I wanted. It turns out. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is definitely this was what I wanted and I got it. And now I didn't like it because honestly, the last third was something that I wanted, and I feel like that totally completely delivered. Except, I, the- I, I feel like I feel like that my problem with the movie is that the fir- the the first the first two thirds of the film I felt were really trying to do a lot, trying to pack in a lot, and not building the not building the emotional bonds or the glue that ties that, yes. all together. Like they met like like yeah, the, the blind guy and the and the guy with the Iron Man ar- armor were cool, but like they met up with them and then okay now they're part of the team. But that's that's what the Star Wars movies were. Yeah, no, that's that no, doesn't but, but that's the same also the only two characters that I cared about yeah. when they died. I thought, oh those well, two guys really cared about each other. I want to talk about a couple of things I really liked that this film did. Okay. Okay. One, I really liked 
that it was a Star Wars film not about the Jedi. Yes, agreed. Little to no force. I mean, like maybe five for, five to ten percent of the force, right? I mean, you really take away Darth Vader, and it's debatable whether or not Donnie Yen's character was a Jedi or just a priest who was force sensitive. Yeah, I think I, I got. The, I, I felt as if he was force sensitive with no training. Right. So the original films, Luke is obviously the main thrust. The Skywalker families are the th- main thrust. But it was at least, you know, at least Star Wars and Empire are just as much non-Jedi action as Jedi action. True. But ever since then, it's been all Jedi all the time. It's kind of like when the ninjas took over G.I. Joe, and it suddenly <laughs> it was all about the ninjas all the time. <laughs> and so it's kind of nice to go back and see that there Let's are other the people in the universe who aren't wielding lightsabers. Yep. And yep. I really like that aspect of it. And ironically, the best part of the movie was the ninja-like guy. So <laughs> I God, there was something else I really liked about it, and that it did, not necessarily... I'll have to get back to that, but I really like that aspect of it. I like that it yeah. wasn't Jedi centric. Yeah, no, and, and I, and I, yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, it shows that there's more than just the Jedi driving this whole world, and and I like the fact that it's in a time period where it's 20 years after Episode Three, the Jedi are gone. You've got somebody who's clearly force sensitive, but hasn't has had no training and is kind of a bit of a poser, but still making it work. And you know, like th- those were uh, that was a character I grabbed onto and was sad to see him go. Yeah, because he was fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was, he was kind fun. of he was a little irreverent. He was kind of jokey. He was this he was just this side of goofy, which is something we were used to and we needed more of that. That's, that's yeah. my point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's a different I, film though. I mean I well, thought I thought for a war film it was pretty funny. I thought there were you had three or four characters that were funny. There were I, I can't tell you Ooh. I can't tell I can't tell you a single line like that this is the one that made me laugh out loud or anything like that. There were a couple of moments that made me kind of chuckle, but there was no you know, like you know, you're gonna die here too. You know, like well, that's, not, no, that's, not, that's in the. That, I mean, that's in the film they're yeah. doing. They're, I thought we all have problems with the tone, but they were making a war film, so it's not yeah. gonna be I mean, the kind of funny that the normal films right. are. And we also complain that the prequels were too funny. So yeah, they weren't well funny. They weren't. Well they weren't the, yeah, they weren't the right kind of well, I mean, funny. Too jokey. Too jokey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just the other side of the dial, where if the middle yeah. is the, is the, the chapter films, and then left is. The prequels to me to joking. This is a couple notches to the darker side. Yeah. Well, this is the Batman question: Can it survive, or should it be able to be approached at all these different tones? And do you want that as a consumer? Clearly, there are people who do. You know. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, this, this, honestly, this. So part part of what I wrestled with is that more so than the Force Awakens or the prequels. This felt like an EU movie. Yes, right. Yeah. This felt this it's felt like a like novel. A Tales of the Rebellion. Yeah, totally. exactly. And I and I've read all that shit, and I like it. And this felt familiar in that world, and that got it. But for me, it was a weird kind of oh shit. Now it's on the screen, like you know, yeah. yeah and it, so it almost made it too official. Well, yeah, and I, and, and I thought I about I thought about like like I was like I like the Zon movie, and then I thought if they made this into movies, would I like that? And I go, you know, maybe not. Shit. If anything, that's represented. This is the future, right? It's, yeah. it's like okay, what is a Star Wars movie without the crawl? What is a Star Wars movie without yeah. the score by John Williams? What is a Star Wars movie with a different tone? But no, but I totally felt like I knew there'd be no crawl. Like I did hear that. Yeah. Like early on, and. Even though I knew that, I, it still felt weird. Also, a Star Wars movie with on-screen, I was just on-screen about location say, it indicators. Felt, it felt weird to see planet locations. Yeah. It felt like Star Trek, right? Completely unfamiliar fonts. Right, yes. Thank you. And I did know, I mean, I know John Williams is getting older and can't do everything, but I noticed the score. Yes. Right? Like, and not in a good way, mm-hmm. right? 
it, that's really hard, and it's un, it's sort of an unfair criticism, but Agreed, I, yeah, I made yeah. it anyway on the, on the car ride home, is that a Star Wars film sounds like a Star Wars film. There's no yeah. other film that's... John Williams, even composing different pieces of music, it all still sounds like John Williams, and that, that may be a knock on him for some people, but it is, it's still the, re- the reality. This just, it didn't sound, and thus feel, kind of like a Star Wars film. This felt anyway. like this felt like a cover band doing a uh, Star Wars score. Like it felt it felt like a John Williams tribute orchestra doing a movie score because you heard hints of it, and, and I know they did that on purpose. There was a couple of you know light motifs that are like sure, okay, they, they, that's they, they yeah, that ties into it, but it just felt weird. But so let, let me let me let me talk about one thing that I liked, and then that's going to l- l- segue into something that I'm having frustration with, which is the elephant in the room, which we're not talking about. But I I did like the fact that. We found out the Death Star plans, the whole thing. I like the fact that Mads Mikkelsen was, you know, working on the inside. Like, that's where the flaw came from. I thought that was an interesting twist that I didn't expect. I liked him a lot. I, I liked that a lot. I liked that no, a lot. I liked him a lot. Yeah. He's someone who normally plays people that are so terrifying, it makes you uncomfortable. But I thought he, he yeah. sort of, he has range that we didn't know about. Because he feels yeah. like the ultimate cool, like, father here, at least in the beginning. Yeah. And and I like that he you know had a, a horrible situation and made the best of it by planting the flaw in it to help you know from the inside. I thought that was cool. I love the Krennic. I love the villain. I love the 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 involvement of the Empire. But I got a real uncanny valley problem because Peter Cushing died 22 years ago. Well, Carrie Fisher's still alive. Uh, no, right. And Carrie Fisher, like they're like I walked out of that going. Well, fuck! If they're just gonna remake Peter Cushing, then what? Then what is real? Like, <laughs> I, I, no, I had the, no, I had the same conversation in the car. I was like, yes. where, "Where's the line here?" Yes, because like, and, and, and is that okay? Is that do they ask no, someone? Yeah, they have to ask. The, they have to ask their, they have to ask uh, their family. Execute. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, go back to episode three. At the end of episode three, no, I won't. No, it's common, I agree. at the at the end of episode three, there's a CG Tarkin watching the Death Star be made, but it's like in the shadows and it's suggestive. He had no lines going into this. I realized I did wonder going into the movie, huh? I wonder how they're going to handle Tarkin. And then when not real Tarkin was on screen and was a minor character in the whole movie, I that moment I was freaked the fuck out because I don't future, know what's Rob. real anymore. <laughs> I thought it was fine the first time when he was a reflection. Yes. And I was like, well, that's cool. You can just have him be yeah. a, a, a implied. But then he turned around, and I was like, oh. And then he kept showing up, and I was like, oh. Now, that, that, that said, when he said rebellion, he rolled his R's. Right? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> but that was, like, about, that was about the most it sounded like him. Yes, exactly. Like I thought It actually wasn't so like off, and it wasn't so on that it was distracting. I thought they actually did a pretty good job with that. It freaked me. The fu- to, 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 a day and a half later, I'm still freaked out. Um, that said, now, the other side of this... And I, I and I was the only one in my group who noticed this. But in the battle at the end of it, yep. when the rebellion showed up, yep. they used footage of Red Leader and Gold Leader yep. from Star Wars. Which I, I, which I, I love that. Awesome, which was How awesome. Anyone I was, I was like, "Fucking Red Leader, that's great." No, people, the people I saw it with didn't realize they, they thought it was CG. I'm like, "No, that's film. That yeah. was from the movie." And when he says, "When Gold Leader says we're about to start our attack run," like that's directly from Star Wars. And there was another it's one. Fine. There was another line when he when he warned Red Five about breaking off on his own. Yes. Yep. Yep. It's interesting. So Jin is the lead. It's getting all the attention. She was, I thought, the least interesting character in the movie. Unlike Ray, who was I thought the best character in The Force Awakens. It's- of all the people on that little commando team, she was the one I was the least interested in. She was pretty blank. Yeah, yeah. She, she was a cipher. For most of it, you didn't know where she was coming from, and then when you kind, then 
basically when she saw the hologram of her father, then all of a sudden she got radicalized, I guess. I'll tell you what, the, the, the Jen in the trailer, in that first teaser that wasn't in the movie, was was cool. This yeah, one wasn't yeah. in, in that actual movie. And also, at two hours and 20-something minutes, I thought there was a lot that could have been cut, a lot of fat. Yep. Yep. The, the whole scene of the guy from the, in the, the Night Of being tortured by that creepy alien didn't yep. didn't lead to anything. He didn't. It was completely pointless, other than one moment when you're like, is his mind gone? Nope. And, yeah, so I, I, that was... I, I wrestle with it because, like, the reason why I give Rogue One an inches uh, betterness than Force Awakens because I felt that Force, Force Awakens had... We got introduced to a lot of characters who turned around on their stance several times throughout the movie, and it got head-spinning, whereas in this movie... Everybody was who they were and focused on what they were doing. And the only character change was Jin, you know, at the with the rebels trying to get everyone to go do this mission, which seemed which kind of, you know, I get that she saw her father, but it kind of, you know, the whole movie, she's saying she doesn't care. She doesn't it, you don't notice if you don't look up like she's kind of, you know, numb to it all. And that ca- that character turn was really fast in the style of The Force Awakens, which kind of annoyed me. But that's very Star Wars. That, that yeah, that's part normal. Of it. Yeah, yeah. That's like I can't case. leave. Ta- I can't leave Tatooine. I can't leave Tatooine. Parents are dead. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm curious. So, Ron, you you started this saying you liked it more than Force Awakens, which, if you go back a year ago, listen to our podcast, we were all f- effusive about. Yep. You're very, very down on it. So, let's explain to me and to Josh and everyone else why you are putting it above a movie you were basically doing cartwheels over last year. I think a year later, it's less about me having more of a problem with Rogue One, and a year later, after several other viewings, having less effusiveness about The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, I think, has lost some of its shine in the year, I guess. That, that let's, let's go with that. Whereas this, I mean, this gave me the time period of Star Wars that I love. Like, it was, you know, it was nostalgic. It was, nostal- you know, like, you know, classic Stormtroopers, not the new, you know, First Order. I will say that the stuff in it that I really, really liked was, like, the, the last third was awesome. I Say what you will about the, uh, about... You know what? You know fan moments or whatever, but I thought they had, Vader was great. I thought Vader was awesome. Every scene Man. with Vader was great, and I yeah, love. And the thing that the saving grace for me is that I fucking loved the fact that the end of the movie literally leads into Star Wars by minutes. Like yeah. there's it, debate about how close it leads into Star Wars. But doesn't matter. I, the yeah. point it, to, to me, what I took away was that the Rebel blockade runner blasts the light speed. Vader followed them. And uh, episode four starts. Well, if he followed like them, he wouldn't have a question about who they were. He would know exactly who they oh. were if he was following them directly. Yeah. Also, they're not as agitated as just coming off of a giant uh, war. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. No, but still, but but emotionally, that's what it felt like, and I like that. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I would have been fine if Vader hadn't been in the movie. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, like, the scene with him and Krennic was a little prequely. I'll give him that. You know, the and Yes. Um, but him in the in the boarding the ship was like we've never seen Vader like that and like honestly that was that was pretty cool. Like we saw Anakin fight a lot and we saw Vader in the original trilogy have a couple of awkward lightsaber battles, but this was Vader as a badass and I thought that and I thought it worked. I'll tell you something that's notable is that I believe tell me if I'm wrong, but it was Space Jimmy Smith's appearance in this the Fantastic. only link to the prequels. No, the Mon Mothma was the same actress from the prequels. Oh, well, the character, okay. Yeah, but you could take, okay. No, the same actress. That's fine, but what I'm saying is that Space Jimmy Smith's, that character didn't exist other than in the prequels like, as a person that you would see. You could have put you could put Young Mon Mothman in there, and it wouldn't matter. But you saw Space Jimmy Smith's. Well, yep. we were going to, I mean, Bail Organa, 
Yeah. I mean, I know, but I'm saying like to me that was I was like, oh, that so was I lo- that was great. No, I love seeing space. Jimmy I, I didn't I didn't mind it. I, it's not it, it's not him. It's, yeah. it's it's what he's related to. I thought, OK, well, I guess they're going to you know go with that, which is fine. They, they have to. They paid four billion dollars for it or whatever it was. I think I think you I think you make the I, I understand what you're saying, but I think you're OK with it because it's space. Jimmy Smith's. And when when he came out of the shadows, I, I got giddy. So say to yourself. Space Jimmy Smith. Also, yeah. he hung out in the background there for a while before anybody mentioned him. I was like, Space Jimmy Smith is right there. Well, that's the thing is, like, I, for a moment, I thought that maybe that was all we were going to see of him, and I was like, oh, that's badass, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> no, but what he had to do was fine after that. Like, it totally yeah. made sense. I will tell you that, like, I, there's two moments. Honestly, my biggest laugh was Darth Vader's stupid choke pun. I was yep. like, who let that get in the script? <laughs> And then uh, Dr. Evazan and Ponda Baba had no business being there. That was some. Well, I got a real problem with that because so Dr. Evazan and Ponda Baba are there, <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, that town blows up. How did they get off planet? They would have had to go directly to Moss Eisley. Yeah, they would. They would have. No, they would have been leaving Jedha when the, the when that thing happened. Which I thought that would that and even three PO and R two I could have done without. To be honest yep. with you. Yeah. No, because how many times are you going to introduce those characters in movies? Right. Here they are. Applause moment, and everyone's like, "Yeah, we we know." The 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 other grown worthy for me is this is the old this is the first it took eight movies but this is the first uh, Star Wars movie to have a titular line moment with the <laughs> what's your call sign <laughs> Rogue One you know and and like and and they and honestly they got they got real dangerous towards the end of the movie because they kept throwing around hope left and right and I was ready for when we saw Princess Leia I was gonna say we finally have a new hope. And we yeah. were all Star Wars. We were yeah. all Star Wars. <laughs> and those truly were our finest hours. Yeah, exactly. I do think that Ron is right in that he said this is the film for the super Star Wars nerd who's been around for 30 years. Because this yep. is basically all of the Star Wars role-playing game I played in high school come to life. Yep. I mean, all Agreed. we wanted when we were 14 was a badass, dark Star Wars story. Yep. And I enjoyed it from that aspect of it. I thought it was interesting to see... Well, let's do the Dirty Dozen in the Star Wars world and see what that's like. Yeah. I'm not 100% okay with it. I'm still wrestling with it, but I, I, I thought that was interesting. I don't think, again, I don't think it was a well, comparatively skill-wise, I don't think it was a well-done film. And I think a lot of the third act is being credited to Tony Gilroy, who came in to guest direct. He's not being credited as a director, but apparently directed a lot of the film uncreditably. So I don't know how much of that is him, how much of it's Gareth Edwards, who also did films I don't think are that great. Well, that was, that was the thing that I was thinking about is, is that I was like, oh, this was this was a little like Godzilla and that it, well, it looked better than Godzilla because you could see what was happening in it. <laughs> but I didn't care about like any of the people. And I got to say like it really, I know this is the war movie, the dark meaver, whatever, whatever. And maybe that's just, I don't know, not for me, but like they killed everyone. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. Was a, I, like I know, that, but yeah. like that was they were trying to they were trying to out umpire empire kind of like let's yeah, really they were. on it well, down. Well, then, like, then the question becomes why don't you see it in the sequel later on if they're so important? You know, well, no, yeah. but well, the, I think the point is though that like what I was saying is that none of the characters meant anything to me. None of them made me care about them, and then you killed them off afterwards, which doesn't help. Like uh, like then there was really no point. I don't get I don't get that at all. Other than to see, I don't get that. Yeah, got, it's the any war movie thing. You meet them, they die. At the end. That's just how. Yeah, I know. Well, right, but but the point of that war movie is to make you care about them in the middle there. To make you wonder uh, about. Not always. Uh, this is the mission that they're doing. All right, but okay, we already knew the outcome of the mission though because we saw it in the movie from 1977. Right. So that's the tragedy of it. You know they're going in to fail, or they're gonna they're gonna succeed but also fail. Just, so it's completely pointless. Well, it's a, it's two hours of entertainment. That's the point of it. I, 
Yeah, because I think I think great, you know, the the great war stories are built around people who make sacrifices. And hearing that story, like I feel, I, I emotionally, I feel better for filling in the gap of when I was seven years old and watched Star Wars and heard about how they stole the Death Star plans and wondered, huh, how did they do that? Hearing about that, I don't need any of those characters to survive that to not have that emotional fulfillment. You know, like I got that. Um, and in fact, I like the fact that they end. I like, you know, like I thought the the, the Watchmen watch the explosion ending was a little weird, but you know, but I like the fact that it happened on this planet. By the way, I love the I love the Scarif planet. I love the tropical, like finally a new location that that, yeah. that has no sand. Well, I guess it did have sand, but not like desert. Lots of sand. Yeah, um, I hate sand. It's everywhere. But uh, I love the location. I love the the device of the gate. I thought the gate was really cool and really clever and. I also like that the Death Star plans were, were on a five and a quarter inch hard drive. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that like during that part, one of the things that I noticed is that like when I watched The Force Awakens, apparently people say it was full of plot holes and I didn't really care or notice. Yeah. But in this, I was like, boy, the Empire is really poorly run, which I guess is a theme. But I was just like, sure, yeah. Well, it's, it's a like, bureaucracy. I mean, like, think, I mean, like, I know, know, but they yeah, should. So. Like, I was like, well, how did they get up there? That. That whole thing was way too easy. I, like I, I, and it, I'm not even arguing that. I'm saying that I was having those thoughts, and I don't usually. Right. I had time to think about it, I guess. Yeah. So it was kind of bugging me. And I wasn't – I didn't walk out of there like mad. But the more I think about it, the more I was like uh, – maybe it's just not for me. But like I was like, I don't think I want this kind of Star Wars movie. And it bugs me. It's like everything else in the world. And I don't understand why everyone else does. Um, <laughs> Ron said it right. It's for the hardcore. Yeah, I think I think it's for uh, I think it's for P- I mean, uh, Josh, maybe you, you've evolved or you just hate fun. Well, it's it's but, diff- um, there's a different kind of hardcore. Yeah. No, uh, no, yeah. I want no, no. I'm I won't. I like. You want fun? fun. I yeah, you want fun. fun. Right. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I really kind of go back to what you the oblivious who don't give a shit. No, I don't think that's true. Connor, what are you going back to talking about the directing and whether the, this other guy, you know, kind of saved the third act or not? I want to know where do you think it fell down as a good movie? Mean, do you agree with me in that? Like, I don't get like like one of the things we talked about privately, not on air, uh, was about Forrest Whitaker, and I, I I I thought that he was one of the weakest, like make no sense part of the uh, part of the whole movie. They built him up to be this, you know, way right kind of faction. But other than the ambush, we didn't really get any sense of that. And then he's this fucking weird Mad Max David Lynchian character, which I, he it, was it just created ha- by George Lucas originally for the live action TV show that never happened. And really? he's been a character on Star Wars Clone Wars in the cartoon. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, that's part of what I think was the the first act. I, lo- I love the cold open a lot. I really loved the cold open. I loved everything. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Until they grabbed her. I thought it was a little, little ch- choppy, and his character didn't really bring anything to the film. Right. All he did was a vessel to show Jin the hologram. He didn't. Need, he didn't actually do anything. Yeah. He just delayed stuff. Like yeah. they didn't. That you, you could have taken that all entire that thing out. out. Right. That's why I think that this was as, as a film. This really needed, This was really choppy. Yeah, it's like I, get, I gave it the benefit of the doubt when when. The press went crazy in the summer about the reshoots and all stuff like that. Because I'm like, listen, that happens at every movie, stuff like this. But after seeing all that stuff that was in that teaser that I saw, and then seeing this mishmash of the first two thirds, it's like it sounds like they had problems with it. And and I, you, I felt it on watching it. Yeah, uh, the movie that they, they teased sounded awesome. <laughs> yeah, I go rewatch that teaser. It's all all it's very cool looking. None of it's in the movie. 
for me, once the team got together, once they grabbed the monks and they they got the, the pilot, once the, once the group came together, I really liked that. I, li- I liked it going forward after that. What did we think of uh, the droid? It was fine. He grew yeah. on me. Yeah. Basically, like they again, they tried to set up like a turn in the character that I don't think ever needed to be there. What do you mean? I don't know. It was like he was adversarial until he wasn't. Like they had to win him over, which was strange. I liked that he had a personality because for a second you think, why is he acting like that? And you're like, oh, C-3PO. Everything's fine. They have personalities. It actually seemed to take – I was – it reminded me of things about Karen Gillan's Darth Vader run that I liked, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I liked that, he, like, again, I, I mentioned that I said there were only two characters who I liked in this, and it was the droid and, and Donnie Yen. Yeah. And it was the droid, the second half of the movie with, with the droid. So you're saying you didn't like Space Jimmy Smith? He wasn't I, funny. I really didn't like, well, I mean, Is he I liked supposed to be funny? Well, I, uh, yeah. He wasn't I, charming. Okay, so so go, talk about Space Jimmy Smith. I liked... That they return to Yavin Four. I like the feel of that. I like the scene where they talk to Jin. You know, when she should have said, "I rebel." When I don't know why they cut that out. I thought that was a good line, even though people, you know, say we little about it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I hated the let's get the whole rebellion in a room and decide if we're going to do this scene. Like I hated that, and I, and I get what came out of it is that then they went rogue and went on their own or whatever. But like I just I that that just didn't feel very rebellion to me. It's happened in every single original film. They had a round table of the leaders yelling at each other, and then Han, Luke, or Leia decides what they're going to do, and they go do it. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yes. Not at all. Yes. No. Yes. In Jedi, it's a briefing. They all, they're all they all on board with the plan, right? But it's still a room full that, of people that didn't happen in Empire. a round table, because they were all separated in Empire. But No, I know. And in Star Wars, it's a briefing. Like, like I, I like the briefing. I don't like the internal bickering. I like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is the plan, and, and let's go for it. I don't know. The, uh, something about the characters that were in the bickering. I don't, maybe it could have been there. Who knows? That said, though, on the other side of the fence, over in the Empire, Krennic's cape, I could just watch for half an hour, him walking around in that, in that costume. I loved it. I loved it. I liked it. him a lot, actually. I loved it. Yeah, I thought, I thought No, great. I'd like him in general. He was just really interesting casting. Yeah, he, he looks, was imperial. He was imperial. He was he just a, looks and sounds interesting. He's smug, but he's a little rough around the edges while trying to look polished. It was kind of well, he, you know he had he, like a new uniform on. He was cool. He could have been in that round table in the Death Star in 1977. Sure, it kind of did bug me that his suit didn't match his hat color. <laughs> this is some weirdo. I was like, he's got a white suit on. Give him a white hat. <laughs> Science division. It's different over there. <laughs> he uh, that's Ben Mendelsohn. He's fantastic. He's in Bloodline and. He's Which great. I could finish. He's so great. But I, I knew him from that. Which is weird because it's such a different thing than that. Diego Luna might be too good of an actor to be in this movie. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that he brought a lot of weight and gravity to something that I think it might have been a little more fun to play a little differently. But his, he had to because that was his character. It's just yeah. it was like taking the thing really seriously is all. Which is my main problem with the whole thing. Yeah, I, I like Diego Luna a lot. Actually, I like the. I, I know, I really yeah. do. Like, yeah, I thought he, I thought he was very, very good. Going back to the nerdy kind of stuff, did I spy Jeremy Bullock as an Imperial officer? Definitely not. I don't know. No, I don't think so. All right, I thought there was there was one point where Vader talked to an Imperial officer, and, and then there was like a reaction shot, like almost like that the Star Wars mug, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, that looks a lot like Jeremy Bullock. Seriously, that spoke. choke line was bullshit. That was garbage. Sorry. You know, I, I had the same thought because of the puns, but then I watched Empire last night. Oh, all those old films are punny and full of... Yeah, they jokes. are. Vader made puns in... in Vader in, did? Yes, Give me an Vader example. did. I, I, and I had one, and I lost it, and now I need to look at the script, but 
I'm, I'm I find sure your lack I'm, of puns disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I literally like I, I was complaining about the pun, but then but then I, I watched all original stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, he did make puns or he did. It was really cheesy, you know, so. Yeah, yeah but George Lucas wrote those. And, you know, yeah. I want everything. I want to have my cake. I want to eat it. I want to tell you it's bad and tell you it's good all at the same time. And I can't tell. I'm not telling you it makes sense. Yeah. I think it was right around when dealing with Ozel and Piet and stuff like that, there were lines that were that, that were borderline of the same ilk as he was, the... Yeah. He was sarcastic, but yeah. that's not the same as yeah. Yeah. wordplay. I don't know. I'm going through the script now, but I feel like this will... You know. Apology it's, accepted, Captain Nita. That's badass. No, I know. <laughs> it's not a good line, regardless of whether he's punned before. Yeah. It no, bad it was pun. bad, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. The last act is... I thought it was really exciting and fun. Didn't expect such a full-scale battle. Didn't expect different kind of Mon Calamari. Yep. Fat neck Mon Cal. Yep. He had a Lucas fat neck. I just put that together. It is. And also what I liked about him was that whenever he was talking on the radio to people down on the planet, he'd swing his chair and look down through the bottom of the ship as if he, I need to look at them when I talk to them. (laughs) Fish people are very, very concrete thinkers. Yep. They don't have the same sense of, t- of space as you do. Big fan, like- uh, big fan of the Shield Gate, just as a thing. Yeah, yeah, Shield Gate. I thought was great. It's all they ripped it off from Spaceballs, but it was awesome. Did yeah. Darth Vader sound different to you? Yes. Yeah. Was it because yeah. Darth Vader Jones is old, or is it because? Yes. Yeah, I, Jones, yeah. I felt like the filter was weird. I think he's forty years older, yeah. and it's like they probably like he probably didn't sound anything like it, and then they had to futz with the filter as much as they could to get it to sound something like it. Right. I thought it was cool that that his uh, red lenses were like way more pre- prominent in this than they had been like by the time they got the Jedi. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was very. His his costume was very Star Warsian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this is interesting. What? Well, I mean, we're sort of all over the map in ways I didn't expect, which is which is fun. Right. Yeah. Generally, where I'm netting out is that it felt like a Tales of the Rebellion story, which I like. I think that it was a flawed first half of the movie. But the back half fulfilled it. I think there was a couple of cringy kind of things, but I think that's going to happen in all these movies. And ultimately, my biggest hurdle is the uncanny valley of Tarkin and Princess Leia. And other than that, it's great. I think we have already had bad Star Wars movies, but it felt a little like they were like, all right, we, we realized that happened. We're not going to say it. And we right. made episode seven, and it was like, this is the Star Wars that you wanted to feel. And it was a little um, retready, but I guess that was the point. And this brings in a... Now we're going to do others, and they're not really going to be that. They're going to be a different thing. And for me, that makes me feel like, well, it could be anything. And then at some point, there's going to be a ton of Star Wars, and so it's not going to be that special. But I think we're already at that point. I've just ignored everything else. I didn't watch all those cartoons. I didn't read all those comics. I didn't do it. But like, because, but when it's a feature, like those are all supposed to be super special. And invariably, you know, there's going to be... You know, a Thor two Dark World. An awesome one, you mean? Whatever. It's obviously it's an example of one that I don't really remember much about. But yes, I mean the thing. It's gonna be less special. The very nature of doing one of these a year means you kind of have to do different tones. As much as it's weirding me out. Sure. I think it's probably too much to ask to maintain that special Star Wars tone that yep. Abrams nailed. There was not swashbuckle. I think that's no the, none. Yeah. I thought about that. In my it was literally the thing I was looking for, and I didn't get it. And, and that's the thing is I, I don't think th- this movie was not swashbuckled. Is that, and that, that's what it boils down to. And, and I think that kind of, you know, this was the Dirty Dozen war espionage kind of, you know, kind of thing. And 
you know, I, and once I kind of realized that, I went with it. And for me, I keep coming back to the Scarif planet stuff, yep. the infiltration, the setting the bombs, doing everything on the, the ground, the ground troops, yep. the distractions, having, you know, having the battle be a distraction for the main thing that was going on. And then and then when the cavalry came and like that, and that was fucking awesome. It was just that was everything I want out of it. And it wasn't when when episode three opened on the Battle of Coruscant and it's just like noise and the weird little droids on the wings and like too much going on. Like, no, we had X-Wing, we had Y-Wings, we had TIE Fighters. Awesome. Let, let, Red let's leader. go. Yeah, we had Red Leader, we had Gold Leader. Hey, give me two Star Destroyers that crash into one another. That's all. That, that worked in Empire, and it worked in this movie, too. I'm all in. <laughs> Anytime those star, those star Destroyers have no maneuverability whatsoever. <laughs> so it's, it's space. Yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. The last 20 minutes is considerably exhilarating. Yeah. Like, legitimately. Right. In a way you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Because The Force Awakens was all about the intimacy of the characters and the Kylo Ren, Han Solo, Rey thing. Yep. This was a giant, crazy battle on the planet and on space, like the end of Jedi. And uh, it worked really, really well. This is the culmination of modern technology doing a crazy, amazing Star Wars battle. I mean, when when they launched all of those TIE fighters out of the the Star Destroyer, I was like, oh, that that was cool. Yep. I was in for that. For sure. But let us not forget that Peter Cushing died in 1994. <laughs> All bets are off now. Listen, man, it's weird. We're in a whole new world. It doesn't. Like, I, and the thing was, is that I went to IMDb. He's not credited in this movie. No, he it's, is not. They thanked his estate. Yeah, yeah. I thought. I thought. Oh, that Final Fantasy movie and that Beowulf movie didn't really do yeah. with him. But now actors are irrelevant. Yes, exactly. This is George I'm, Lucas's dream. This is the culmination <laughs> of George Lucas's dream, and it's fucking weird. And I'm not where, where okay with of, it. Instead of saying faster, more intense, he just hits F seven. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm not okay with this at all. Like I love Tarkin. I love Peter Cushing. I I I don't know what to make of this because on one hand I was happy that they worked him in and it made sense and it was cool and he rolled his R. On the other hand, <laughs> dead for twenty two years. <laughs> Fucking I mean, weird. I mean, there was an weird. actor there. It was Guy Henry, and he was, you know, they just painted over him. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, this is literally, so what's funny is that, like, I had to, and for those who don't know, and I know it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, whatever the term is, I was texting, my sister said, you know, what did you think of the movie? And I said, ultimately, I said, I, I liked it. I like it better than Force Awakens. I said, I'm still unpacking a lot of it. I said, but, you know, there's an uncanny valley problem that I'm dealing with. And she wrote back, she said, valley? Like the location? <laughs> And then I sent her the 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 definition of Uncanny Valley from Wikipedia, which is the hypothesis that human replicas that appear almost but not exactly like real human beings elicit feelings of eeriness and revulsion among some observers. And that's just like home run out of the park. Exactly the problem. It's very disturbing. Oh, boy. It's very disturbing. And I, I strongly recommend you look up Uncanny Valley on Wikipedia because there's a great graph that illustrates it. <laughs> it shows on the y-axis familiarity and on the, the x-axis human likeness. And it goes from industrial robot to prosthetic hand to healthy person. And in between, there's stuffed animal, corpse, zombie, like humanoid robot. It's disturbing. This is the new world, and I'm scared. <laughs> I want to disagree with you, but I, I, I can't. I, it was... <laughs> It was a lot. 
There's a lot Nothing to Nothing matters, man. Connor, <laughs> listen, when you're gone, Josh and I are just going to replicate Connor and keep doing the podcast. <laughs> well, at least I'll have stopped by then, and you'll have to keep doing it. Jason Aaron looks a lot like him. <laughs> so we can, we can... You know, if I... If I stand behind a poster of George Clooney and then appear in a movie, they shouldn't credit me because you were just looking at a picture of George Clooney. Well, I mean, the voice and the, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it, what are you going to do? You're, 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 you can't not have Tarkin in this story. Well, no, I know. I agree. I agree. I guess you could. Yeah, like, you could. I, you I totally know how could. how going to handle it, and I didn't expect it was going to be this. I didn't, I, I knew there was going to be something. But I thought yeah. maybe it'd be like a hologram, it'd be communicator, all this stuff. I didn't know he's in the fucking movie and he's dead. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, like, like the, they started doing that, and I was like, okay, you're gonna do this now. That's that's fine, I guess. It was really when Princess Leia turned around because I knew it was about to happen. I was like, this is gonna be weird, and she flipped around and go, yeah, it's weird. They didn't need to show her face. They could have very. Easily but they had to show you they could do it, and that's what was scary. It's like human cloning. Like, okay. Don't do that. But for her especially, they could have kept the hood on and she could have said the line and without ever seeing her face. You didn't need to see... Well, Carrie Fisher sure, certainly couldn't loop that line. <laughs> <sighs> Look at my dog. Look at him. It's just... Good dog. It's a brave new world of filmmaking, Ron. I know. Get in line or go home. I don't know. Oh, all right, anyway. So that was... Rogue One, a Star Wars story, the first anthology. We'll look forward. Well, well so be- before we move on, yeah. I, what I want to do is give me your letter grade and then give me your new uh, Star Wars movie ranking. Um. Okay. Ratings. Uh, you don't have ratings. Uh, ratings. We have to do this. Yes. Ratings. I feel like we're being bullied, Josh. We're not including the prequels, I assume. The what? All eight. Uh, rank all. Tell me. <laughs> Letter grade for this movie. Rank that's like a, that's acknowledging them. Yeah, the letter grade. The letter grade is B. Okay. The ranking is four, five, six, seven. Rogue One. Okay, Josh. Letter grade is B minus. You said you basically hated it. Four, five, B minus. No, well, you're supposed to love them. So I have high expectations. Actually, okay. what's interesting is that I, going into Force Awakens, I was like readying myself to be disappointed, and I, I really enjoyed myself despite a, lo- a lot of sort of things that I was like, that wasn't great, but I don't care because I had fun. Yep. This was the opposite. I was actually really looking forward to this, and I remember seeing the trailer, that, that could be great. And then I got there, and I was like, oh, I don't. I ordered something I didn't want to eat, I think. Okay, so B So B, 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 minus. B minus is, yeah, B minus is, is, is what I'll go, you know, four, five, six, seven, Rogue. All right, so I give it a B as well, and I go four, five, six, rogue, seven. Interesting. Yep. All right. Interesting. There you go. So the good news is, guys, we're only going to get a couple of these anthologies before we die. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we're going to live with this forever. we got two years till Han Solo and Lionel Carusian. So next year we have Star Wars Episode Eight, directed by... The guy who did the film. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Uh, yeah. And uh, that will continue the chapter story. And I'm looking forward to that greatly because I just recently rewatched The Force Awakens. Loved it just as much as I loved when I saw it originally. And so that's that. That's Rogue One. That's that's and that's all she wrote on Rogue One. That's Capper on the year. And we were all Rogue One. <laughs> and we have a new hope. <sighs> oh, God. This is, uh, say the name. <laughs> this is uh say it. Oh come on guys. Um, the Rogue Squadron is everyone's favorite squadron and this was the birth of it. They had to say the name. Whoa. I think they were missing 
Yes. At least one person. Well, 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 no, because if you read the books, if you read the books, you know that Wedge wasn't one of the founding members. It was okay. Books, all the guys the that died not, in, the, in the attack on the Death Star. Not canon. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. They've been no longer canon. Jeff Porkins. Don't forget Jeff Porkins. Jack Porkins. Jack. You know what? It's Jack, by the way. I got it. The Rogue Squadron wait, was wait, originally wait. dubbed Would it have killed you to put a Jack Porkins in there? <laughs> so right. line all over the place. Rogue Squadron was originally dubbed Rogue Flight and known as the Rogues, an elite Rebel Alliance Starfighter Squadron founded by Commander Arul Nara, Luke Skywalker, and Wedge Antilles shortly after the Battle of Yavin. Based on That's what? the comic. Yeah. Which the comics? comics. They, they, it's uh, yeah. Star Wars. They were, ro- they were Rogue Squad. They, they were Rogue in... Oh, I don't read those. Those are not part of canon. Those are canon now. Rogue... Not to me. They're not my canon. They were Rogue Squadron in Hoth. At Hoth, they were Rogues. Right. Not in, not in Episode Four. All those uh, Rogue Squadron books, it was the guys at the Death Star, so I don't care those what any comics I don't nil. read say. I don't care. I don't care. Those aren't my Star Wars books. My Star Wars books You are wait novels. until the movie comes out. <laughs> then see how you feel. <laughs> I'll be 76 years old. You know who had this right? Dennis Lawson had this right. He said, yes, fuck he all did. this. <laughs> Listen, another another distinguished pilot in Rogue Squadron was Derek Hobby Clivian. Hobby. Hobby. Oh, God. Zev? What about Zev? Sineska? Seriously, oh, man, I'm going deep. I'm going deep. What about um the guy Jansen? West Jansen. Did, nice, nice shot, Jansen. You know, he 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 thought he could take them all on himself. That's uh that's um oh that was the guy with Luke. Oh fuck, what's his name? Dak. 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 Yep. Yeah. What about the guy who? What about the guy who was in the briefing room in four? But I don't think he flew. But he was like he he hadn't he'd had like a relationship with Leia. No, that's like hobby. Tall. That's ho- that's hobby. Hobby. Yeah. No, this is a different person. No, yes, that's 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 Javi. That's Leia. Oh no, maybe yeah, you're right. It is a different no, person. It is a yeah. different person. Yeah, he had the relationship with Leia. You're right. He was. The, he's. Um... Oh crap! It's starting to go. This is starting. It's starting to go. I used to know this stuff like that. Oh man. Well, this is you know, not we... good radio. Let's we'll figure this offline. So. All right. So if you saw the rogue, rogue the rogue awakening, he was saw... in my minutes, but it, <laughs> that was like three or four years ago. If you saw Rogue, what a Star Wars story! You want to talk about it? Go to ifanboy.com. There'll be a post for this show. You can tell us what you thought. You can discuss it over the holiday break because we're on vacation until next year, and we'll be back uh, with the Pickle Week podcast in early January. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. I'm trying <laughs> to find that guy. You know, there's a lot of arguing for three ratings that were all in the B range. I know, right? <laughs> well, I, to be honest, I'm a kid. If I got all B minuses on my card, I'd get in a shitload of trouble.